This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Michael Swain of Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com. The man across the studio from me is Michael Swain of Fog.net. Like we might be covering the two best teams in the Big 12. I think we are, and I hope this week shows it. Yeah, we'll find out if Texas can stay in second. K-State is clipping on their heels. You can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash The Drive Show, on Twitter at The Drive 13, and of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both GoPowerCat and Fog.net. And we start things off with our two-minute drill, the first segment of the two-minute drill, sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Kansas squeezed out a 76-74 victory against West Virginia on Saturday. Michael, how concerned are you about the showing from KU? A little bit. I think you look over the past few weeks, though, and it's been filled with really resilient performances, right? You go back to that Texas game, you play both Oklahoma schools on the road, you play Baylor, TCU on the road again. There was gonna be a letdown at some point, but I think for me, the most concerning part was some of the things that Kansas has really tightened up recently, which is turning the ball over and their defensive rebounding effort. That's really what was put on display. Now, I don't think you can control 34 fouls being called between the two teams over the course of the game, but you can control 19 turnovers, and that's what KU had their second most of this season. And they also allowed 14 offensive rebounds, their most since the Duke Champions Classic game. And so I look at the rebounding numbers, and I think that for me is probably more concerning than the turnovers. You know, Dewan Harris not playing over the final few minutes did not help, but rebounding, that's effort, that's intensity. And that's what you've seen from KU as of late when they've really done a good job of limiting good offensive rebounding teams like Baylor or someone like Eddie Lampkin from TCU. And to let this West Virginia team that played small most of the time on Saturday, to let them go out there and out-rebound you on the glass was a little bit concerning. And I thought Bill Self said something super interesting post-game where he compared this to an 8-9 game in the NCAA tournament. And Kansas will be a number one seed. And so this is the type of game they will play in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Self said if they played like this in that game, 
they'll be going home. So I think to some degree it's a wake-up call for KU now at this point in the season. I think every time KU makes a run like this in terms of just positive play, in terms of running towards the Big 12 title, there's a letdown. And now Bill Self and the coaching staff have the opportunity to, over the course of a Sunday night, a Monday, correct it harp on it so that when they play Texas Tech on Tuesday for a chance to wrap up the Big 12 title, they're ready to play. And then you go to Texas next Saturday for another big time matchup and they'll be ready to fix those issues. But overall, I think just the energy and intensity has been something that KU's done really well with as of late. And I think it just took a step down on Saturday against West Virginia. And as we've seen in the Big 12, you have to bring that energy and intensity every single week or else you have a good shot of being upset. Uh, my two thoughts on the game were one, Kansas played incredible defense on that last West Virginia possession, but West Virginia also, what were they doing? I don't even know what they were attempting to do. Uh, it was so bad. It was awful. I felt like that the whole time watching West Virginia's offense. It's like, what in the world are they doing and that they got two guys that score 20 points? Yeah, no, they, they got some guys that filled up. Also, the, the uniforms. Uh, should this game have been shown in black and white? I think it would have been fitting. It felt like it. It felt like it. Yeah, I, I kind of liked the uniforms. I kind of hated them. But they're historic. Let's just wear normal uniforms. How about that? Okay. All right. Let's transition Fitz to Kansas State, which is heating up after its third straight game, beating Oklahoma State 73-268 in Stillwater. What has changed about the Wildcats as of late, Fitz? They, they backed off the gas, apparently, in practice. They're a little bit fresher in games. They weren't as sharp in this game as they were in their back-to-back -back home wins over ranked teams. Iowa State... Um, being the first one of those. Uh, and then Baylor, they turned it over too much. I think they had 16 in this game. They just didn't play quite as crisply as they have been. But when the game got in down the stretch, they hit the big shots, they made the big plays. Uh, and honestly, with about 11 minutes to go, Jerome Tang did not like the way the game was being officiated and let the officials know, kind of uh, with a little uh, clapping, you know, kind of. Uh, being demonstrative, as the official told him, got a technical, and from that point on, the entire game changed. K-State seemed to play better, but they also seemed to get different whistles from the referees, and Tang even talked about it after the game. I thought that was interesting. He admitted it kind of worked, because then K-State went on a, a scoring spurt. They were down by four. They ended up, I think, outscoring them by nine down the stretch, and it was uh, really impressive how K-State played down the stretch. Back-to-back three-pointers from Keontae Johnson and Ish Masood were just enormous. As K-State has kind of found a rhythm now, coming home Wednesday to play Oklahoma in what could be uh, a really entertaining senior day. And then they have to finish up and go to West Virginia. As the Big 12 goes, this is about as friendly as a schedule as you can get. And yet, you could lose both of these games. That's how absurd the conference has been. But Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson seem to be back to themselves. Marquise had a few too many turnovers in this game. Uh, again, that goes back to the sharpness, but Keontae is beginning to shoot the ball well, and they finally have him taking three-pointers at a little bit uh, more frequent rate because that is actually strength of his game, and yet he only shoots it a couple times a game, hitting in about 44% of his shots. So if they can get him more in a scoring mode, and I'm telling you, Michael, he hit a baseline fadeaway 19-footer late in the game that was huge. They can get that from him. This K-State team is going to do a lot of postseason damage in Kansas City and beyond. Oh, yeah, they've got the right mix, right? You've yeah. got a, a good rim protector in the middle, and you've got your Batman and Robin, guys that can really control the pace of the game. And if they're playing, like you said, Fitz, as crisp as they are right now, 
I agree. This is definitely a second weekend team. Yep, absolutely. Well, Michael, Kansas could claim at least a share of the Big 12 title on Tuesday night with a win. What have you made of the Big 12 race so far? I think it's been fascinating. The ebbs and flows of yeah. every single contender. Think back to early January. Baylor lost three straight games, and now down the stretch, they've been in a position where for a period they were in the mix of it. Kansas was in the mix of it at the start of Big 12 play, and then in late January, they lost three straight games, and you're looking down, and they had one of their worst stretches under Bill Self in Big 12 play, where they lost four or five, and you're wondering, is this a team that can really push for the title? And then they've gone out and won those games, and now you look at Texas encountering probably their toughest stretch of the schedule, and they dropped a game to KU. They dropped a game to Baylor, as is expected, and they've got to go to TCU and play KU again. So there's no telling really what the final Big 12 standings could look like. And you've also got a team like Kansas State that really got off to a hot start, played so well. And then, as we talked about a second ago, their Batman and Robin dropped off a little bit, and so they lost some games. But overall, I think this has been an incredibly fun race to follow. I think there have been some fantastic games over the course of Big 12 play. I'm really excited for Kansas City just to see all these teams at once play in such a condensed period of time. I'm super excited. It's crazy. This race is absolutely insane. And, and I think we kind of understand now as we look at this, every team in the Big 12 can beat you at any point, but there are tougher places to play, tougher teams to play. And Texas hasn't gone to TCU, or they haven't had KU come into Austin. Those are significant games to have to finish with, and they might lose them both, uh, opening up the door for a Kansas State or a Baylor to slide into that second or third seed. You know, it's interesting looking at this. There is a scenario where Kansas State's the one seed, but that scenario includes Kansas losing at home, so I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, essentially, both Texas and KU have to go one and two down the stretch in case state went out. And because those wins over Baylor, they would win the tiebreaker and be the one seed, which is crazy. That's not going to happen. More likely is the two seed if K-State can play well here in the final games, get over Texas and be in that early game of the night session. Uh, but they still could be the four seed, maybe even the five seed. I haven't broken that down. But uh, it's so much to be sorted out in the final week of Big 12 basketball just the way we thought it would be. But KU's going to win this thing. Whether it's shared or not, they're going to win this thing. Uh, and I think they're going to win it outright. It's crazy, Fitz. We'll talk about it in a second. But what KU's done this year has been really impressive. And you mentioned Texas, too. I think they lost at Iowa State. They lost at KU. They lost at Baylor. Now they go and play TCU. I'm just interested to see because this Texas team has been really good at home. But has it really traveled for them as much on the road? I'm not too sure. Yep. Well, now let's take a look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. All right, well, last week's question was, how many Big 12 teams deserve an NCAA tournament bid? Seven got 11% of the vote, eight got the majority, 39%, nine got 20%, and 10 got 30%. That's wild. Do you think that eight's a lock at this point? Yes, I think, I think it should be. I think you look at probably Oklahoma being a, a bubble team, and I think probably Texas Tech right now. I think West Virginia should be in. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I'm leaning into nine pretty good right now. I think this conference is that good. Mm. Here's this week's question, though. 
who has been the most disappointing team in the Big 12 this season. In other words, if nine get in, who doesn't? Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma at 4-12, and 12, Texas Tech 5-11, and 11, West Virginia, who was supposed to be pretty good this year, 5-11. and 11. Vote on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. All right, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we'll be right back with more on KU and K-State on the Drive. Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com. We are back and we continue our weekly two-minute drill. This segment of the two-minute drill is sponsored by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Well, in an odd turn of events, we're going to move to the gridiron where KU football is set to start spring practice this week. What should KU fans look out for during spring ball? Oh yeah, Fitz, football, let's do it. KU's gonna win the Big 12 on Tuesday, but spring practice starts at the same time. I think there's a few things KU fans need to be looking out for. Obviously, I think the first one is when you return this much talent and this much production, injuries, right? You look at Kenny Logan not being available for spring after off-season surgery. Lance Leipold told me this past week that Marvin Grant will not be available for the first portion of spring. Can they limit any sort of other injuries that might bleed into the summer program or maybe even a preseason camp? That's going to be huge. I think building confidence on defense is going to be huge. You look at KU, basically they're replacing almost the entire front seven. They returned their three starting linebackers, but the depth pieces behind them are all going to be new. The front four is basically all going to be new. So can they, over the course of spring, build enough confidence within that group where when they hit fall camp, it's not necessarily who's going to win the starting job. It's can they get more time on task together to learn each other, their strengths, their weaknesses, their tendencies. I think that's going to be huge for Kansas starting the season on a strong foot because you look at that test against Illinois in week two, they have to be ready in the trenches. And I think third, can they build depth, right? I think you talked about it there with the front seven, but Ethan Vasco, this could be Jalen Daniels last year. It's obviously going to be Jason Beans last year. Can Ethan Vasco get some reps, build some confidence himself to where maybe in camp he's able to get some time and flash a little bit where you feel better about him going to next year? What about maybe some of those young wide receivers, young offensive linemen? This is a point now where Kansas does not need to put a lot of load on their starters. Lance Leipold talked about maybe doing some load management where those starters will get a lot of reps early in spring practice, and then maybe when they come back from spring break, they'll get some time away from the football field, just watching, helping mentor some of those other guys where they can go into the summer program fresh. So Fitz, I think it's a fascinating spring for KU. I'm excited to see what some of these new transfers look like. I've heard a lot about maybe what they're gonna look like in terms of physicality, Things that for KU, they need to take a step forward in under Lance Leipold. And yes, football talk in March. I, it's not even March, brother. We're still in February. Almost we got March. the KU guy talking about football and the K-State guy is about to do another basketball segment. We are in bizarro world. It's, it's a fantastic so, time. I, don't understand. I love it. All right, let's get to your next topic, Fitz. Now that K-State is warming up, how much attention does Jerome Tang deserve for postseason honors? You know, and I'm going to wrap player honors into this, too, uh, so I can fill my two minutes. Look, you know, we made a really strong argument for Bill Self being National Coach of the Year. I can see a world in which he wins that award and Jerome Tang wins the Big 12. But Scott Drew came out and said that his brother, Jerome Tang, that's what they call each other, belongs as the National Coach of the Year and, and measured against expectations because K-State almost had none uh, as the 10th pick in this conference. 
drum tank's been pretty incredible. And now that they're warming up and surging at the end, you can really start to wonder if he will get consideration on the national stage. But for sure, I think he belongs in the Big 12. And, and, and the reason why I say that, you know, you can have Bill Self nationally and someone else in the conference is because they're measured two different ways. And, and I think uh, the measurement for Coach Tang in this conference works out in his favor, but maybe it does nationally. Now we, we come to the idea that is Marquise Noel playing his way into possibly being the conference MVP? Uh, his stats are amazing. His numbers are amazing. But for me, he's been a little bit too inconsistent. Now maybe Jalen Wilson's been a little more inconsistent as of late, but uh, Marquise has had some real you know, ups and downs. He's had some really huge games that pad his numbers, and, and then he's had some pretty poor games lately. I asked this question, who's the MVP on the Kansas State team? Because it might be Keontae Johnson despite having lesser numbers because it strikes me that every time Keontae isn't quite as good as he needs to be, K-State probably loses. And they've had some games where Marquise Noel didn't do all the things he does and they've won. I don't know, but I know this, all of it is unexpected. All of it is so out of the realm of believability from the season start that it's stunning what's happened with K-State basketball. This is a team that's looking at being on the three line and maybe even the two line as a two seed going into the NCAA tournament. That's an incredible, amazing, fantastic coaching job by Jerome Tang. And it's just hard to explain how he did it so quickly. Kudos to him and kudos to these players. These players have been really good. Mm. I like your point there, Fitz, about maybe Marquise Noel being Big 12 Player of the Year contender, but you know Keontae Johnson being maybe the best player on K-State. I think you have a similar issue with KU, right, where Jalen Wilson could be the Big 12 Player of the Year, but if Dewan Harris isn't scoring, KU yeah. doesn't win basketball games. I think it's pretty fascinating it's, that they're so similar in that way. It, you're measured against different things for different awards, and mm -hmm. um, I, I stop and think, is Kansas State really going to get two guys on the first team? It's going to be tough voting. I'm glad I don't vote. I'm glad nobody trusts me to vote. Let's put it that way. And now we step out of bounds, and Out of Bounds is brought to you by Darius Corner Market. We love local, and we are local for you. All right, Fitz. Well, I was sitting there as West Virginia coach Bob Huggins made his case for his team belonging in the NCAA tournament, which included an all-time line that you can find on Fog.net. Uh, if so, them making the NCAA tournament, does that mean nine Big 12 teams will get a bid? Is that even possible? Yeah, it, it is. As we mentioned earlier, West Virginia seems to be the linchpin in that if they want to get the ninth in. Honestly, they've got to win at Iowa State midweek or they got to beat K-State at the end of the season probably. And then it wouldn't hurt to go to Kansas City and win one of those uh, first round games. And the first rounds, is, it's going to be amazing. I mean, you're probably going to have Oklahoma State and Oklahoma playing. Uh, and then you got West Virginia squaring up. And I don't even know who's going to win any of the games from the very start of this tournament. It's, it's fascinating to me how good the league has been, um, but Huggs' record just doesn't quite carry the day right now. It's hard to completely redefine what the NCAA Tournament Committee has done mm -hmm. year in and year out just to fit the fact that this is really unprecedented what the Big 12 is doing. This is by far the best conference in the nation. And and again, I come back to this. The only thing you need to know is the one team we're not talking about getting in the tournament is Oklahoma. And Oklahoma dismantled Alabama, a one seed, uh, in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Uh, that just says it all to me how loaded the conference is. Uh, I come back to this, Michael. I want the last two teams from the Big 12 
stuck in Dayton, playing and playing mm. games. Uh, let's see what they're made of. And if they can get that first game against – I don't want to play in each other. I want them playing separate. They can get that out of the way and get into the bracket. Nine in the field of 64. And honestly, they all could win. It's going to be fun to watch. Oh, yeah, Fitz. And I'll say this. I actually think West Virginia isn't even the ninth team. I think they're the eighth team. I think Texas Tech might be even closer to being maybe that ninth team if you want to look at some of the current bracketology. I think West Virginia should be in. I know five Big 12 wins, but you look at the advanced numbers, you look at the non-conference schedule, I think they've done enough where they deserve to be in. Again, again, if we're going to measure this based on how tough the Big 12 is. Yeah, the Tech and West Virginia could meet in that first round game, and wow, that could be a lot at stake there. Let's hear from the fans, and our fan question is sponsored by Medlark. Retirement awaits in Manhattan where you can live your way every day. Here's this week's question. Is Bill Self's coaching job the best one he's ever had? I read that totally wrong. That's from Joe and Lawrence. You get the idea. Michael, what you say? It's up there. I don't know about absolutes, but to lose what KU lost from the national title team, to have a player like Dwan Harrison, Jalen Wilson step up, a freshman and Grady Dick come in, and also having a guy in KJ Adams really, really improve. I mean, it's just impressive the overall coaching and cohesion job that he's done because this isn't even what the team was supposed to look no. like. KJ Adams was not supposed to be the center, and here they are. I'm just so impressed. Yeah, it's been very, very impressive. All right, well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. When we return, we'll look at our predictions here on The Drive. Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com. It's time to head down the home stretch of this week's show. Now let's take a look at our predictions. Predictions are brought to you by Kites and Kites Aggieville Draft House, meeting your friends at Kites and the Draft House since 1954. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. Here are last week's results. Our viewers continue to school us on how to pick games. They went two and one. Michael and I both went one and two. Here are this week's picks. Let's get rolling here. Texas at TCU's a pick 'em. You got. I got Texas. I'll take the home team frogs. Let's, well, let's frogs. get another Texas game here. KU goes to Texas. We'll take Texas as a two and a half point favorite. I'll take KU in the points. I think this is a close game. Yeah, I do too. I'll take Texas just to be that guy. Our last game of the week is K-State finishing up at West Virginia. Just like Oklahoma State, we put West Virginia as a two and a half point favorite. I will take the Cats. I'll take West Virginia. Again, make uh. your picks on our Twitter page at the drive 13. Woo, it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One, by Local for a Strong Local Community. And we start off with Michael Swain. Well, Fitz, I'll keep this pretty short. Jalen Wilson will be able to give a senior night speech on Tuesday and a pretty unprecedented deal. He's a redshirt junior. He's been in the program for four years, but typically they save that for true seniors. I think it's great that he's going to be able to sign off to the Kansas crowd after what's been a remarkable rise, right, to redshirting, to playing on the national title team, now carrying a team of his own. It's a great story and a great Jayhawk who will be able to hang his jersey up in the rafters most likely. Boy. Jerome Tang has gone off the rails. First a technical foul, and then after the game, he got really radical on post-game radio. I hope the fire marshal isn't listening. He wants 12,000 fans inside 11,000 seat Bramlage Coliseum for senior night on Wednesday. The man's out of control. Now he's just creating fire hazards and technical fouls, and he's just gone all willy-nilly, as us olds say. 
But uh, it will be interesting to see how many people make it over for that 7 p.m. game against the Sooners on Wednesday. This has been a pretty unique group of people collected to, for the senior class. We'll see if they get it done. That's it for this week's show. We'll see you next week right here and all week on social media.